Well, we're in week four this week of our series that we're calling Step of Faith. And what we've been doing over these past few weeks is looking at what it means to take this step of transforming faith. It's not just faith that we believe in God or faith that we believe in Jesus. And yes, that is a part of it. That's the initial part of it. But this step of faith that we take, this is a transforming faith that changes our lives, changes our destiny, changes our perspective on everything in life uh, as we take these steps of faith in Christ. And so we've been talking about what that looks like, what the fruit is of that, and uh, just have really enjoyed this series. If you've missed the first three weeks, I encourage you to go back and, and catch up. All of our messages are available online and on Facebook and our website and everywhere else, I guess. But uh, just uh, uh, been a, a really good series that I've enjoyed uh, preparing for. But before we get to our text this morning that you probably all could recite by memory, uh, there was an interesting experiment uh, that was done several years ago by a news agency. Uh, and I believe it's relevant to what we're going to be talking about today and what we're going to be focusing on today. It was back in 2007. And a world-famous violin player who I've never heard of before because, to be honest with you, I'm not really in that much to uh, violin recitals. Some of you may be, and hey, that's cool. Uh, but anyway, there was a guy, some of you may be familiar with his name. His name's Joshua Bell, very famous musician and violinist. And he was asked by this news agency, this news outlet, to participate in an, an experiment that they wanted to do. And he, is, he was such a, a good and, and well-known uh, musician that people uh, would fill up Carnegie Hall. Uh, they would pay at a minimum $100 for a ticket to get in to hear uh, him play it, this classical music. Well, he had a, a concert that was scheduled in Washington, D.C. And so part of the experiment was is that the day... Uh, following his concert, which was sold out, uh, they had asked him if he would just kind of dress in, you know, normal clothes, not his things that he normally wore to perform in, just dress like everybody else on the street. They asked him if he would go down to the metro uh, train station, the transportation station there in Washington, D.C. during rush hour, and play his violin and put a hat out in front of him and do this for an hour just to see what would happen. Now, and so the next day during uh, rush hour, uh, dressed just like a common person that you might find on the street, he goes into the train station there with his three and a half million dollar violin that he plays. He puts a hat on the ground out in front of him to collect tips. Now keep in mind, thousands of people the night before had paid hundreds of dollars to hear this man play, uh, play their, um, you know, some of the most famous and, and classical music that there was. And so he began to play. And they said after the first 45 minutes of playing some of the most beautiful and classical songs that the world has ever known, no more than six people stopped to listen and to give him a tip. He made a grand total of $32.17 in tips. 
not counting a $20 tip that he received right at the end of the hour by someone who actually recognized who he was. And as I read that story and as I thought about that, I thought, you know what, it is possible for us to miss out on some of the greatest things in life if we're not looking for them or we're not really paying close attention. Sometimes we're so busy, especially this time of year, but sometimes we're so busy and distracted that we don't recognize majesty even when it's right in front of us, even when it's right before our eyes. And I believe that if there is a theme to Luke's gospel and his account of the Christmas story, I believe that's it. And so what we see here in this second chapter of, uh, of Luke is that the first Christmas, think about it, it came and it went with most people unaware that anything had ever happened. That anything amazing or extravagant had actually even taken place. And God's gift to us at Christmas was unexpected by most folks. But if you were anticipating it, and if you were looking for it, and you were waiting for it, then it truly was an amazing and miraculous experience and event when it took place. So let's pick it up here in Luke chapter 2. And kind of tricked all of y'all, but I'm actually going to skip over the birth of Christ this morning. We'll get to that next week. I want to pick it up in verse 22 this morning. Luke chapter 2 and verse 22. And I believe we're going to see some unexpected things happen in Luke's recording of this event. It says, When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. And so to understand the context of what we just read and what we're looking at this morning, we, we've got to go back to the Old Testament. Okay, we've got to go back to Leviticus and chapter 12, and I'm not going to read all this to you, but it's important that we know and understand the context of what we're looking at here today. But God had commanded there in the book of Leviticus that every, uh, each Israelite family, that they should dedicate their firstborn child to the family, that they should dedicate that child to God by offering a sacrifice or an offering. And the purpose of this, the, the reason that God had commanded them to do this, well, some of you know, and, and, and now we've got to go back a little farther to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 12, where God had spared the lives of all of Israel's firstborn sons if they put the blood of the lamb on their doorposts. Some of you will remember that story. And so when the death angel came over that family, came over that house or that home, if the death angel saw 
the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, then that son was spared in the family. And so now in order, in, in order to honor that event, to recognize that event and what it meant to them, right? When they gave birth to their firstborn, now they have been commanded by God that they are to take that firstborn to the temple and offer a lamb sacrifice to commemorate that. Now, if you notice here in our text, it doesn't say lamb. It says a pair of doves or two young pigeons, All right, which is an important detail for us to note, I think, this morning before we go any further, because this was the exception that was made for people who were really poor. All right, And, and if a family uh, could not afford, uh, afford a, a lamb to offer as a sacrifice... The law said that instead they could offer two pigeons or two turtle doves or a partridge in a pear tree. (laughs) Some of you always wondered what that song was about. But seriously, this this shows us this, that Jesus was not born as royalty. He was not born a, a rich kid into a rich family. He wasn't even born into a middle-class family. He was born poor. He came in a very unexpected way. And so today, if you're here, maybe you feel poor, or maybe you know you're poor, or maybe you look at your neighbor and you know that you're not as well off as them. Friends, I believe Jesus would want you to know today that You are not second class. Jesus can identify with you and where you are and who you are. And he has a plan for you, just like he had a plan for his son Jesus. He has a plan for your situation, and he can and will use you for his glory if you will take steps of faith toward him. But what we see happen next here, you kind of scratch your head and wonder why Luke even recorded it because it's totally unexpected. So let's pick it up now in verse 25. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Do you notice we sang that earlier in the song? We sang about waiting. It talked about the consolation of Israel. We're going to talk about what that means. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, some translations say singing, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. 
That's a beautiful story and beautiful song and a beautiful thought as you think about what's transpiring there. But I don't know how many of you, I know probably not many of your minds work like mine. Um, my mind has been hit a lot. Lynette and I were talking about it this week watching the NFR every night. She's not a big fan, but she tolerates it. But I was talking about all the times I said, you know, I was beginning, there's a feather up here that's flying around me. And y'all know I can't do that. Um, I don't even remember what I was talking about, so I'll just move on. But anyway, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, you know, cool story. But in my mind, I'm thinking, this is nuts. This is kind of crazy. I mean, if you really think about it and you put yourself in Mary and Joseph's shoes and in Mary and Joseph's situation, they're there probably with hundreds of other mom and dads, right, presenting their firstborn babies. They're having one big, huge baby dedication service. And this old man suddenly runs up to them. I doubt he runs. He's an old man, so he probably walked or hobbled up to them. But anyway, he comes up to them, and he takes their baby out of their arms, and he starts singing and praising God. Now, I'm reading this, and my mind immediately thinks, if that's me and Lynette in this situation, all I can picture is Lynette jerking a knot in some old man's head, right? I mean, that's kind of weird for something like that to happen, but little old ladies can get away with it, right? The little old ladies are the, the cheek pinchers, <laughs> you know, the, the ones that can get by with maybe taking the baby and, you know, doing those things. But for an old man to do it, that's just creepy. But I want you to notice another important detail in this story, though. It tells us that Simeon was a righteous man. He was a devout man. And the Scripture says that the Holy Spirit was on him. And it was the Spirit of God that gave him this insight into who this baby truly was. And friends, that's the only way that anyone will accurately recognize the Messiah. That's the only way that anyone will accurately recognize who Jesus is. And what's ironic about this whole event is these rituals that they're going through and coming and, and presenting this baby and the sacrifice and all of this, this whole event is that these rituals and what they are doing will point the Israelites toward the Messiah. That, that's what these feasts were all about. That's what this ritual was all about. These were commanded by God to do in order for them to recognize who the Messiah was when He came. And, and so the irony in all of that is, is that the Israelites had found themselves so committed to the ritual. They had found themselves so committed to the traditions that they missed the Messiah even when He was right there in their midst and right there in their presence. And I think that 
there's an important lesson there for all of us. Keeping rituals and keeping traditions are, are not bad. I'm not saying they're bad. But we have to be real careful because more often than not, our traditions and our rituals can keep us from recognizing the majesty that is in front of us and the Savior that has been sent to this earth for you and for me. And this time of year, especially this time of year, you know, we say, well, uh, you know, it's the busiest time of the year is the holiday season, but I believe that it's safe to say the culture that we live in today, we're just busy all the time, right? I mean, we're just going and blowing, and we've got all these things to do, but, but during the Christmas season, we've got so much more to do. We've got to, you know, buy all the gifts and, and, and make sure we get to the front porch to grab the Amazon box before our wife gets to it, you know, and, and, and there's just so much stress and all that, buying the gifts, and, and, and we've got decorations to put up, and uh, y'all, y'all, I know you'll be so disappointed in Lynette and I. I, I think we've only got like six trees up right now. I, I don't have any Christ, Christmas. Well, actually, we took the pumpkin pillows off the porch this week. Um, we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to build. We're trying to transition to another place. And, and uh, so we just hadn't done what we normally do. But, man, you just don't have time to do it all to buy the gifts, to do the decorations. You've got parties. You've got family gatherings. And we're busy, 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 busy. And I am afraid that sometimes we get so caught up in the tradition and in the ritual, and we just go through the motions of the holiday without clearly seeing Jesus and remembering what our celebration is truly all about. How much time are you spending preparing for Christmas compared to the amount of time that you're spending in reflection of our majestic Christ? Like Simeon here, we need the Spirit of God to open our eyes to the majesty of of Jesus. And so be praying for that. Be praying that for you. Be praying that for your family this year because we need the Spirit of God to open our eyes to the majesty of the Savior. But there's a second person in this story that I want to look at as well. So let's skip down now and pick it up at verse 36. There was also a prophet, Anna. Right there would be a great passage of Scripture for you to point to someone if they ever question about women being teachers and in ministry. There was a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Okay, so what do these two people that Luke tells us about, 
because he feels like it's important. What do these two people have in common? Simeon and Anna. Huh? They're old, yeah. Some of, y- some of y'all gave that way too much thought before you blurted that answer. Right? I mean, the obvious thing here is that they're both old. And what else are they doing? They're hanging around the temple, waiting, longing for something, for someone. Verse 25 tells us that Simeon was waiting on the consolation of Israel. Well, what does that mean? Well, other translations say the comfort of the nation, the relief of the nation of Israel. And for most Jews, that was the hope that the Messiah would bring political relief that the Messiah was going to come as this great king and they would once again become this great nation and overcome this oppression that they had experienced over the past 700 years. And so Simeon represents, in his old age, he represents the posture of Israel waiting for a king that would deliver them as a nation and a government. And then we have Anna, who has been a widow for 84 years after being married for just seven years. And I'm sure her life had turned out very different than what she expected. I'm sure that her life had turned out very different from what she wanted. Think about this young girl as a teenager, and that's probably when she was married. When a young girl gets married, she never imagines the tragedy of losing her husband. She never imagines a day, and the first thing is this. Waiting is a key component of being a Christian. And we have to understand that. Waiting is so important as followers of Christ. It's not just by accident that Luke tells us this story here, this kind of out of place weird story right after the birth of Jesus. But don't miss this, because here's the point, and you might want to write this down this morning. Jesus comes to those who wait. Jesus comes to those who wait, and you also might add, and those who are expecting Him. There's a reason they are both old here. It goes to show us that they've been waiting a long time. And this is important because I believe sometimes in our walk with Jesus, we expect Him to immediately work in our situation. We expect Him to immediately show up, right? We expect Him to promptly answer our prayers, to promptly give us victory over that difficult situation. And we somehow believe that if we'll do everything just right, 
And we'll check all of those boxes of rituals and traditions. And we'll put the right words together as we voice our prayers to Him. Then presto, Jesus will miraculously become our prompt Santa Claus, giving us everything that we ask for quickly. But the truth is today, it doesn't work that way. Some people in the room today that walk a little slower. Their hair is a little whiter, a little bluer in some cases. Hair is a little thinner. And they know what it means to wait on the Lord. Some of us young people don't get that. But I believe without a doubt, matter of fact, I, I know without a doubt that there are people in here today who are waiting. You find yourself waiting this Christmas. And maybe for you, this time of year or maybe this particular season is just a little bit depressing to you. Maybe it's a time of confusion for you and you don't know why and you don't understand. Or maybe today you're entering into this season feeling abandoned. Or maybe it's C, all of the above. Maybe you're like Anna today and you need some personal relief. And you need some comfort because life hadn't turned out for you the way that you expected that it would. Well, Simeon and Anna's story, I think the reason Luke included them in this text and here in chapter 2, these stories tell us today, first, God sees you. He knows your pain. He knows your struggle. He knows how you feel. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't forgotten you. And that waiting on Jesus that you may find yourself in right now, it doesn't mean that you've done anything wrong. It doesn't mean that it's your fault. And as much as we don't like to do it, sometimes we just have to wait. Anticipating and expecting. God's got this. He's a good father. And he's going to take care of his own. Waiting is an essential part of being a follower of Jesus. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 25 says, The Lord is good to those who, what? Wait. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. Isaiah 30, 18 says, Blessed are all those who wait on Him. Isaiah 49, 23 says, Those that wait for me shall not be put to shame. 
Waiting is important. Waiting is hard. We don't like waiting. We live in a world of microwaves and Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I mean, why else would you pay $30 for a chicken sandwich? Because you want it fast and you want it right, right? Waiting is a key component of being a Christian. And that's what Advent and that's what Christmas should remind us of. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, I love this. He said the Advent season is a season of waiting. We've been talking about that for three weeks now. It's a season of waiting. But think about it. Our whole life is an Advent season. Are we not always waiting on something? But he says our whole life is an Advent season. It's a season of waiting for the last Advent. For the time when there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And yes, while Christmas reminds us that while we have so much to be thankful for, and we have so many blessings to be grateful for, a lot of us are waiting. A lot of us are waiting. So whether you have a very specific need in your life today, or maybe you are just longing and waiting on heaven, Simeon and Anna show you God hasn't forgotten about us. He hasn't forgotten about you. And the joy and the peace and the hope and the comfort of Christmas can be yours if we'll just allow the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to the majesty that is before us. The second thing we see here is this. God's answer did not meet or match their expectations. God's answer did not match their expectations. I, I think that it's probably safe to say that neither Simeon or Anna was thinking that a helpless baby born, being born to a really poor family was going to be the answer to what they had been waiting for and what they had been longing for. But when the Holy Spirit moved upon them, they realized that it was. And it seems that they were the only two there that had had their eyes open to what was actually going on. They were longing. They were waiting. They were looking for the Messiah. And they saw it. When the Spirit opened their eyes, they saw it in this child. This newborn baby that was born to this family that was so poor they could not afford a lamb to sacrifice for this event. You see, what Israel thought that they needed from God, they thought they needed a political leader. They thought they needed a great king who would make them a great nation once again. You see, what Israel thought they needed from God was different from what they needed most. You see, God knew what they needed most, and it wasn't a new political leader. It wasn't a, a new king. What they most needed was, don't miss this, because some of us here today are in these same shoes. 
What they needed most was restoration to God. And he knew, this is what my people need. This is what the Israelites need. This is what the Gentiles need. They need restoration with me. They need a Savior. We may think that what we need most today is our physical health. There's a lot of days where I think the thing that I need most today is for my back to not hurt, right? I mean, we have days like that. And we think our physical health being restored is what we need the most for the pain to go away. We may think that our greatest need is maybe a financial need. We may think that our greatest need is, is for the, the thing that we need the most this holiday season is for our family just to come together in peace again. But what we most need, my friends, what we most need down deep in our souls is restoration with God. We need a Savior. We need the Messiah. We need Jesus first and foremost. Why? Because He is enough. He is all that we need. And you were created for God. That's why every single one of you are here today. It's why you're living and breathing. He created you for Himself. You were created for God. And this Messiah, Jesus, the Christ child, He came to live a life that you were supposed to live, and He came to die a death that you were condemned to die. And the love that you maybe have been searching for your entire life can only be found in His arms. So many people are trying to find love in the arms of of someone else when the love that you've been searching for all your life is only found in the arms of Jesus. The security that you've looked for in money and stuff can only be found in His presence and in His promises. And the significance that you crave, we all want to be accepted, we all want to be liked, we all want to go and see who liked that post on Facebook and who liked that Instagram. We care so much about being significant, being accepted and approved by others. Friends, that approval that we are searching for and we're looking for, and if we're honest, we all are, that approval that we're looking for can only be found in hearing Him say, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. That's the only approval that matters at all in this life. It's his approval. Yes, what God did was unexpected it wasn't what people expected it wasn't what they had anticipated but friends it was exactly what they needed wasn't what they wanted wasn't what they expected but he gave them what 
they needed. This is your God. This is your Savior. If you've taken that step of transforming faith. It's kind of like how a surgeon brings healing and peace to your body if you have a tumor. They find a tumor in your body and they know that it can cause great harm and further damage to the body. So what does the surgeon do? Well, he has to cut you and he has to take that tumor out. And they have to do it in order so that your body will be at peace again and so that your body will experience healing. What's the same in our spiritual life? It's the same thing with spiritual healing. Sometimes our path to peace, sometimes our path to healing will first lead us through the valley of pain. And we don't understand why, but it's necessary. Today, my prayer is that as we wait, that we would give Him room in our hearts this Christmas season to do the unexpected. We know what we want. We know what we think we need. But would you just pray today that the Spirit would open your eyes and open your heart and that He would do what you need most that he would do the unexpected during this season of waiting. And I want to close with this. I want to go back up to verse 29. I just felt like this might speak to someone's heart today. Simeon said this in verse 29. He said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Someone walked in here today needing to walk out in peace. Having had the Spirit of God open his eyes, he could leave in peace. Nothing had changed about his circumstances. He hadn't gotten any younger. He probably still hobbled around. But yet now, he experiences the promise of God to live in peace. That's His promise to you today. To live in peace. And the question today for all of us is this. Can you be at peace today? Can you be at peace today? What is it going to take for you to be dismissed in peace today. A change of your circumstances? Is that what it's going to take for you to leave here in peace? Some kind of personal vindication? Seeing that they got exactly what they deserved and now you can have peace because of that? Maybe today you think that you might could have peace if your kids came back. Or your kids came to faith in Jesus Christ. 
Some of you may today think that you could have peace if you had more money in your bank account. Can I just ask you again, what is it going to take for you to leave here in peace today? And as I was thinking about that, I thought about this, and I asked myself this, and I'm going to ask you this question too because I've struggled with it this week. Why do we allow other people to hold the keys to our peace? Why do we allow other people to hold the keys to our peace? Why do we allow money and stuff to hold the keys to us having peace? Friends, I I think we would all agree today that it's kind of silly for us to give anybody or anything the keys to our peace in our life. Only Jesus should hold that key. Only Jesus should hold the key to your peace. Only He is faithful with it, and He is the only one who can guarantee it. Write it down. Will you take a step of faith today? Will you take a step of faith today and leave here with the peace that He wants you to have? Even if you find yourself in a season of waiting right now, remember, good things come to those who wait on the Lord. We're going to close in prayer this morning. These altars are open, and maybe that's you this morning, and you just need to come this morning and surrender whatever it is that you've been waiting on and come to God and simply pray, open my eyes in this time of waiting so that I could see you, so that I could see your majesty, so I could experience this promise of peace in my life. This isn't going to be a long invitation. If you would like to come and pray for peace today, I invite you to come. Maybe there's someone that you know that needs this peace in their life. And you've been carrying a burden for them about that. Maybe you'd just like to come and bring them to this altar. Or come and pray for them at this altar. Maybe you know a situation, a family, whatever it may be. And you would like to come pray. I invite you to come right now as we all close together in a time of prayer today. God, first off, as we come to you today, I just want to thank you again for your word. I I believe we see continually what scripture and the psalmist means by saying that 
your word is alive and it's active. Because what a weird story to take place here where we find it in Luke's gospel of chapter 2. It's strange. But your Holy Spirit impressed upon Luke to record it because you knew our nature and you knew what we need most. And you wanted to remind us of that today through these two people that aren't very well known, Simeon and Anna. And God, I believe today that these are two of the greatest stories of faith that we have in the Scriptures. They waited and expected and longed for a long time. And they were faithful. They were faithful in that wait. God, I pray that that would be said of me. I pray that that would be said of all of us. I'm going to say that just about every single one of us here today find ourselves in some season of waiting for different things. But God, thank you for the reminder today that the most important thing, the most important thing is that we understand your presence is among us. The majesty is here. It's right before our eyes today. May we do like your word says and during this so very busy and hectic time of the year, God, may we find time and place to be still and know that you are God. And you're a good God. You're a good Father that loves His children. And you want to give us what we need most. Pray for those that are here today that are searching for peace. I pray that they will find victory over whatever it is to the peace in their life as they take those keys back and they hand them to the only one who can give them peace and comfort today. And I pray that that is exactly what we would do and what you would do. And that there would be some people that would walk out of here today feeling much different from the way that they walked in. As you have promised, I pray that you would now dismiss your servants in peace. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the hope that we have in you. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray. And as we go this morning, may the Lord hold you and keep you. May the Lord give you comfort. May the Lord shine His face upon you and give you peace.